welcome to Give Me Fiction. My name is Ivan Hernandez, and I'll be your host. Each month at Give Me Fiction, some of the finest minds in comedy, literature, and the arts write pieces based on a theme. Each week on this podcast, we deliver one of those readings to the listening public. At the music theme to GMF, I told the story of a young fan meeting her riot girl idols in Girls Group. Girls Group. Angie stood in the back of the club, but not the way the cool kids stood in the back of the club. She stood like a nerd, one arm crossing her body to hold her own elbow, shoulders slumped but still tense, a hoodie which could at any moment consume her face and identity. The next performers went on stage, a bunch of goddamn beards and plaid. Whose band name might as well have been a bunch of goddamn beards and plaid? They played what you'd expect, a weepy ballad about a girl who wouldn't love them, followed by an angry screed against a girl who wouldn't love them. Then a dancey tune about a girl who didn't know they loved her, but if she did, probably wouldn't reciprocate. Angie didn't care. She wasn't there to see any of these dumb mopes. She was there to see the ladies. Lane Tanaka played bass. Sherry Collins played guitar. Francesca Diaz played drums. And Jan Hunsvik played anything. They self-published their first album, Make Way for the Ladies, years before self-publishing meant opening a Bandcamp account. They bounced among the mid-level independent labels, which were bought or folded or absorbed with such frequency that they made a minor footnote in rock history as the only band to, in one year, release three albums on five labels. <laughs> Their management had proven incompetent, a miscommunication resulting in what they were told was a meeting with the head of Kill Rock Stars, ending with them chased through the forest of Portland by a man with a chainsaw. <laughs> they lived in the purgatory of many a great musician, selling enough records and maintaining enough of a following to make giving up seem like a shame, but never having the kind of breakout hit that would allow them to live without roommates. <laughs> Their peers lost relevance or faded away or changed course. The music industry made it, so the only way to be successful as a riot girl was to go into sketch comedy. <laughs> but they played the gigs and melted the faces. No one could argue otherwise. It was why Angie was there, and why she paid a cover. There are two kinds of rock clubs, the kind with a security guard by the green room, and the kind without. This was the kind without. Angie put her ear to the door and could hear the banter within. Who are these crumbum cocks on stage? Lane asked. I don't know, I don't book this shithole, Francesca replied. If I did, I'd force every man who wanted to get on stage to cut his dick off and throw it in an open flame. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure there's a union rule against that. They talked the standard pre-show dialogue, a mix of current events and television shows and what they'd eaten that day, peppered with the occasional quibble about new material. But to Angie, it was like listening to the small talk of the gods themselves. If those gods asked whether the tour bus needed more tampons. Which it did. The Beards finished their set to mild and polite applause. All right, you guys ready to make a small amount of money? Sherry asked. A small amount of money, they shouted in unison. Angie slid away from the door and hugged the wall, trying to minimize her existence to a point of invisibility. The ladies walked out the green room and stood by the stage, 
as the sound guys adjusted knobs and switches. Angie clasped her hands over her mouth as she would remain. The band took the stage and the crowd surged forward, cheering and screaming for their heroes. Lane grabbed the microphone. We were in Sacramento last night and they sucked, she shouted. One, two, three, four! (laughs) They launched into Marie Curie's radioactive skull, a retelling of the scientist's life in which she became an irradiated monster of incredible strength rampaging across Paris. Angie was transported to the first time she'd heard their music. Her friend Stephanie was moving away, and Steph's older sister was disposing of her CD collection. They rummaged through a box of discs and back massagers, then they found it. The album's artwork depicted the band as knights battling an army of orcs, their instruments serving as weapons. They listened to the record over and over that last night together, a Hello Kitty stereo blasting lyrics of which the Hello Kitty Corporation would not approve. As the moving vans shut their doors the next day, Stephanie said Angie should be the one to keep the CD. (laughs) The ladies played their next song. Columbo was the only chill cop and he's dead. (laughs) While the beard stood moping by the green room door. These bitches, one of them said. We should be able to hang in the green room. We're cool. But no, they have to be bitches about it. Yeah, whatever, Steve, said the member of the band who was pissed at Steve because Steve tried to bone his sister. Maybe you should just shut up and enjoy the music. I'm straight and white and a man, Steve said. If I'm not happy, then no one gets to be. He stomped away and the music continued. This time with, I need a guy, open parentheses, to leave me alone. Close parentheses. <laughs> Angie stood there, and the music worked its way in, lighting up parts of her brain that the rest of life couldn't, mixing memory and emotion the way the rest of life couldn't. They played feminist monster anthem, A Mommy is a Mummy, But a Tomb is Not a Home. <laughs> then, the autobiography of Typhoid Mary. Then, an instrumental jam named simply Jim Rockford, followed by a stirring rendition of the Norwegian national anthem, which climaxed with Jan pantomiming giving birth to a pile of lutefisk. Then she saw him, wading through the crowd. It was Steve, that prick, a bulge sticking suspiciously from beneath his hoodie. She sprang forward on pure instinct, bounding towards the stage. Steve pulled out the balloon and threw it at Lane, but... Angie's speed was true, and she dove in front of the projectile, the plastic exploding and soaking her with its vile contents. The band paused, and Sherry gave Angie a sniff. Hey, you smell like piss, she said. It was that guy, Angie said, pointing at Steve as she, uh, he tried to escape. Francesca grabbed an unused cable, balled it in her fist, and threw it at the beardo, tangling his legs like a bolo. Then somebody kicked him in the head. He deserved it. Lane looked at Angie Hey, thanks, she said Angie had no words Let's hear it for Piss Girl, Lane screamed One, two, three, four The band played Burn Down Cape Cod And Angie jumped into the crowd They held her aloft Even though she was covered in piss It was a pretty great show The end 
Give Me Fiction's live show happens the first Sunday of every month at Lost Weekend Video in San Francisco, California. GMF is produced by Will Scoville. You can find his narrative anthology podcast, Tales from the Swan Hotel, at soundcloud.com slash tenderindustries. For news, updates, and more, check out gimmefiction.net, at GMF Show on Twitter, and facebook.com slash gimmefiction. You can email us at gmfshow at gmail.com and can donate to the show through PayPal at the same address. I'm online at ivanhernandez.net and on Twitter at ivan underscore hernandez. Our theme song is provided by Power Pyramid, and you can check out more of their music at powerpyramid.bandcamp.com. You can listen to us on SoundCloud and Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, you can rate and review us on the iTunes Store. This has been Gimme Fiction.